Pedro Gabriel says that the Reish Lakish, when he died, like kept all of his friends, all of the other bandits, kept them all alive. Until the day that Reish Lakish died, they all died on the same day. They all go uh, up to the Oil of Amos, all in Pedro Gabriel's and Reish Lakish goes to Ganeven, and they all go, they say, that's not fair, we're all involved in the same crimes. He says, you're right. But look at what I did with my life. They said, now that we see that, we're ready to go and do it. We're, we're ready to go do that as well. And they told them, once you're dead, it's too late. You can only do the while you're still alive. So Tiferish Lama says, in the very term, means, person, in order to really value the Torah, when it's going to be Mokrim, if you realize you can't die. If you realize you're not going to live forever. Realize I might die later today. I might die tomorrow. It's pretty morbid thought, but that's a thought that says to me, if you're still alive, you can still be. It's a chaparai. Otherwise, you're going to be like the friends of Reish Lakish who realize this thing too late. Okay, Ms. Dylan? Anybody else coming? Yeah, two more. Two more, three. Um, We'll start. <clears throat> All the way to the end of Parshas Chukas. So the Torah is Myrach, a bunch of psokim, numerous psokim. The Torah is Myrach over here, talking about the war, two wars that Cloud Israel fought. And on the border of Eretz Israel, there's a very mighty king by the name of Sichon. There's a very powerful army. And then there's another mighty king by the name of Ali. So Cloud Israel says to Sichon, we, We're asking to please go through. We're just on. You're on time. All the way at the end of the parsha, Klai Yisrael says to Sichon, "Could we travel through your land?" Okay, but we're just starting now. But now for real. Welcome back. Okay, but this time we really start. End of parsha's chukas. We're at the border of Eretz Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu is still alive. He asks. He sends, Klai Yisrael sends Malachim, they send messengers to, to Sichon for permission to travel through his land to go into Eretz Yisrael. Sichon says, not only am I not giving you permission, but he comes with a huge army to defeat Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael fights back. But yes, of Sichon is Kol Amo, he brings his entire nation. He comes towards Klai Yisrael to the Midbar, he comes to a place called Yatza, he fights with Klai Yisrael, and Klai Yisrael decimates him, decimates Sichon. And the Torah goes on and tells us which cities they took from Sichon, on and on. And then the Torah, very uncharacteristically, starts to wax poetic about this, about Klai Yisrael defeating Al-Kain, Yomro, HaMashlim, people that wanted to give Mashalim, would always talk about this war. This was the war, the, the epic war, that Sichon came to defeat Klai Yisrael, and the tables were turned by Nahapacho, and they defeated them, they took all of their cities. The Pasuk goes on and on about this miraculous thing. Then there's another, there's another a neighboring country. There's all the cities of Ay. But Yitzhi Og Malachat Basham. Klaiswa doesn't even ask him to go through. But Ay comes, he takes the initiative. He sees what happens to Sichon. He's not impressed, or maybe he was impressed. And he comes to fight. Much of is nervous, whatever reason. Ay gets certain schosen. Akadosh Baruch says, Al Tira, don't be afraid. Moshe goes and he fights, and he does exactly what happened to the cities of Sichon. He decimates Og. 
That's the whole Arivas in the parsha. You go to Parshas Devarim, the whole parakimel, it's a long parak. The Torah goes on and on and on and on about these amazing victories. Apparently this was something. Next week's parsha, so Balak is very nervous. Balak, the king of Moab, is so nervous. Why is he so nervous? Because he saw what happened to Sichon and Oed. Vayar Balak ben Tzipor is kol asher asi Yisrael da'amari. The first Rashi next week's parsha, he says, these two kings that we were all so confident that they would be the buffer between us and Klai Yisrael. We were confident that these kings would do it. Elo amdu bifneim. Sichon and Oed weren't able to do it. Anu Allah has come of so before we talk about how we won the war against Sichon, let's just talk about who Sichon and Og were, and why this was such a big deal. Why were all the other Ummas so convinced that Sichon and Og were invincible, and therefore when they were decimated like this, even the Torah Tosh, it's not only Balak that was impressed. The Torah, like, starts to wax poetic. Take a look over there in the Pesukim. On and on, the Torah starts to get... Why? Who were these people? Rabbeinu Bechayi says that both of them were at least... 500 years old. The Mabit in his Sefer Beis Elokim in Paraglamen of the Shari Yisodis, he says that could be they were already a thousand years old. Who were they? The Gemara Nida says on Samar Aleph they were brothers. Who were their parents? Who, who, who was Sichon and Oth? So Rabbeinu Bechayim, the Parsha this week, Rabbeinu Bechayim brings down a Mekosh. He says all the way at the end of Parsha's Bereshis, when the world became chaotic, people started to be Nazana, people were... Um, you know, the, the whole matzah got to the point that Hashem had to destroy the world because of what was going on. So there were malachim that said to Hashem, Tzialchut Shemani over the embraces. There were malachim who said to Hashem, Rebunna We told you not to create, man. Look at it. Look at what's going on. Look at the promiscuity that's going on. Akhenish Baruch says, I am sin. I know what I'm doing. They said, Rebunna Shalaylam, why don't you give us a chance to go down? You made the world already. Let us make a kid Hashem Shemani in the world. Rebunna says, you'll be worse than that. So these two malachim, one's called um, uh, Sham Chazai, and the other one's Uziel. These two malachim say, Rebunshom, give, give us a shot. So they go down to the world and they were worse than everybody. So Rebunshom B'chayi brings down that this Sham Chazai had two sons. One son was Oid, and the other son was, was um, Sichon. So they were brothers. Og was born a while before the Mabul. That's what Chazal say. How did Og make it through the Mabul? So he held onto the table. He was a giant. His father was a Malach. A Malach gone bad. Who was his mother? One of the Benoit Sa'arts that he was Mazanah with. Who was the mother of Sichon? So the Medrash says the mother of Sichon happened to have actually been Khan's wife. And right before they went into the table, he was Mazanah with Khan's wife. So she was pregnant when she went into the table. And that's why Khan was Mazana in the table because he wanted to make believe as though it was his child. He knew what happened. He knew she became pregnant, and that's what he was doing. So Edo said, and Sichon is born in the table. This is a Sichon. It came out. It wasn't only... That's what Rabbeinu Bechai brings. The Medrash at the bottom, they don't know where this part of the Medrash is from. So Sichon and Oyd, they're children of a Malach. Their father was a Malach, Ganver. They had tremendous titles. The Mabit says, had Moshe Rabbeinu not killed them, they would have never died. They would have remained Kayanum Lailam. They don't nat- Malach doesn't naturally die. One of the things Gemar Chagiga says, the differences between a human being and a Malach is a human being dies, a Malach doesn't die. But they could still be killed, and that's exactly what happened over here. So they had these tremendous, tremendous karchas, and the people knew who they were. They were giants, 
the, 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 the proportions were huge. Moshe Rabbeinu, as we know, he was ten amas, and he took a stick of ten amas, and he hits Oig's ankle, and Oig is lifting this, this huge mountain, big enough to be able to drop it on all of Kal Yisrael. Very, very interesting midrashim. It made no sense, al to be able to defeat kings like this. And Kal Yisrael comes, they defeat the kings. They come, both of them wage wars against Kal Yisrael, and that's why this is going on. It made no sense. It couldn't have happened. And yet it did. So how did it happen? <clears throat> how did we win that war? The Torah says we used our swords. We all know that swords can't do this. So how did it happen? What's the answer? How do we win the war? Right. I want to focus on a... a um, we will start with a <clears throat> Gemara and Sota. The Gemara in Sukkah tells us, this is you'll see where we're going with this. I think, I think we, could all, we could all get some nice physics from it. On Yerav the Gemara brings down a Machloikas, whether the Sukkahs that we're commemorating, every Sukkah, when we sit in a Sukkah, what Sukkahs are we commemorating? According to Rabbi Yes, we're commemorating the Ananiyah cover that we sat in when we were in the Midbar. According to Rabbi Akiva, we're not commemorating Ananiyah cover. We're commemorating the huts that we sat in in the Midbar. Sukkot Smarash. We actually lived in Sukkot in the Midbar. That's what it says in the Gemara, according to Rabbi Akiva. The Chaya Adam, when he brings down this Gemara, he says, how do we pass him? He says, we're not sure we pass him like both. He says, and if not convenient, because you have to have that Kavana on Sukkot when you sit in the Sukkot. So he brings down a Rokheach that says that according to Rabbi Akiva, who holds, we're commemorating actual Sukkot that we lived in, in the Midbar, we're referring specifically to the sukkahs that we lived in during the war against Sichon and the war against Ad. Open up your, your, Chayadam's in the back. Specifically the sukkahs that they lived in during the time of that war. And I'm asking you, what was unique? You read the Chumash, you don't read anything about those sukkahs. What was unique about the sukkahs that they lived in specifically during the war against Sichon and Ad? You the question? What was unique? So let's try to start piecing this together. Gemara says in, in uh, Tainus, Gemara says in Tainus on Tesamara, on, on Gemara says that there were three Parnasim Taivim, there were three leaders who took care of Klai Yisrael, who stood up, who, who were there for Klai Yisrael in the Midbar. The three were Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. Those are the three Parnasim Taivim. And we got three gifts, Biskos Moshe, Biskos Aaron, and Biskos Miriam. What was the gift we got Bishos Moshe? We got the man. The gift we got Bishos Aaron was Ananiyakab. And the gift that we got Bishos Miriam was the Be'er. How do we know that? So the man and the Be'er, the, the Be'er and the Ananiyakab, the Gemara brings Pesukim from our parasha, the parasha school class. Miriam dies in the parasha. What happens right after she dies? There's no longer anything to drink. Says the Gemara, you see, that we had a Pischos Miriam, and when Miriam died, we lost it. What about the Ananiah Kavit? It says, also Aaron dies in the parasha, and right after Aaron dies, the Pasuk says, Vayishma HaKnani Melech The Knani king of Arad heard, and he came to fight for Israel. What did he hear? Marantinus, Marashana. He heard that Aaron HaKnani died, and when Aaron died, the Ananiah Kavit disappeared. Since the Ananiah Kavit disappeared, he says, now we're able to go fight. And we stand the chance of, of defeating Kal Yisrael. While they had those Ananiyah covered, it was like armor that blocked it. Nobody could find that. He heard that the Ananiyah covered disappeared. 
Who was this Knani Melech Arad? The Pasuk says again, Knani Melech Arad heard that Aaron died, that Nani Akkad had left, and he said, let me go and find him. So the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah on Gimel Amar Aleph tells us that the Knani Melech Arad is a nickname for Sichon. Sichon, who fought at the end of the parasha, he is Knani Melech Arad. Which means, when did he come to fight Klai Yisrael? When he heard that they lost the Anani Akab. Until the Anani Akab disappeared, Sichon didn't waste his time. He knew this Anani Akab, I can't penetrate miraculous clouds. But when Klai Yisrael lost that miraculous protection, Sichon says, now is my chance. I hate Klai Yisrael just like everybody else hates them. I'm going to go and I'm going to defeat them because they have nothing protecting them. And nevertheless, what was the story? We don't need miraculous protection. We don't need Anani cover to protect us. All that we're living in is our little sukkahs, our little huts. And nevertheless, Kodesh Baruch still lets us escape without losing one. There was one that was captured, and that was it. We didn't lose a single person. Which teaches us, which shows us, Shomer Amo Yisrael Ba'ada, Kodesh Baruch has the back. Kodesh Baruch protects him, even when there's nothing else. There's not much nothing. Sichon was waiting for this opportunity. We couldn't have defeated this war. The only way we won the war against Sichon and Og is only through one thing, because of Kodesh Baruch Hu, he took care of the war for us. He came with little swords. It wasn't going to make a difference. It only made sense because Rabbi Shalom did it. And what were the circumstances? Impossible circumstances. These were circumstances that we had no Shmiro, we had no Meyuchad de Kashmiro. The Ananiyah covered that protected us until this point in the Midbar were gone. And Afal Pichain, we see over here that the Rabbi Shalom has the back of the year. It comes with the all the, and that's what we're commemorating. The, the sukkahs that we lived in during the war against Sichon and Og. What was unique about those sukkahs? What was unique was this was the first time in the midbar that that's all that we had. There was nothing else, and nevertheless, we had that shmira of the Rebbeinu Shalom was there for us. That the sons of Malachim and their entire countries that came to fight against us crumbled like nothing. So let's talk about just to, we're running a little bit late, but let's just try in the few minutes that we have to speak of the mindset. This is what the Rabbanishan does for us all the time. All the time the Anisim Nistaran, all the time the Rabbanishalam, his Khabibas and his Khashibas, the Kla Yisrael. This Bechina of Shemar Amal Yisrael La'ad. Shemar means that Akajbaku protects. This farm also tells us that Shemar means that Akajbaku is waiting. Akajbaku is awaiting for every year, all the time. He's awaiting his machshed every year. He loves every year. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has that shmira, gives that shmira on every year all the time. So how are we supposed to react to it? How are we supposed to see it? We don't always see it. Gemara Nida tells Amaisa, the guy who went to do business, he bought a lot of merchandise and he was supposed to make the ship on a certain day. And he has, he's loaded up his, his animals to go and take the merchandise to the ship. And there's a thorn that gets into the leg of one of them and he can't go weiter. And he literally misses the boat. And he's machara from a guy that he's so upset with his mazel until he hears that the ship sinks. And then he's so happy, he's so grateful to Hashem. So Kamara brings down the Pasuk regarding this Maisa. The Kamara brings down the Pasuk that we say in Halamat Levada. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing Niflois Gedailos, he's all alone because we keep on complaining. Rabban running his world, he knows what he's doing. All the circumstances, sometimes we look at life and we look at this circumstance and that circumstance. And why is it this way? And why is it not this way? Personal things, familial things, yeshiva things, interact, so financial things. 
Don't underestimate how much the Rabban Shalom is doing for you, but we don't always see it. We don't always see it. So how do we get to see it? And what do we do that we should learn to appreciate these things that Hashem does? So two things from the parsha as well. One thing, I saw this work from Rav Shamshon Rafal Hirsch, and I uh, was much blown away. There's a number of psukim, which don't have time not to read psukim inside, which some of you might be relieved with that. Christ was complaining about the man. They're complaining again in this week's parsha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends snakes, Nachashim, Srafim, Nachash, Asarov, the snakes, poisonous snakes, venomous snakes are biting the end. They're dying. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, you know what you should do? Make a big copper snake, put it up on a, on, a, on a stick, and anybody who looks at the snake, he's going to live. The Mishnah asks in Rosh Hashanah, could a copper snake, could a snake keep people alive or, or, or kill people? Says the Mishnah, no. But when they looked at the, at the snake, then they would look clape milo, and they would be meshavet eslibam lavim shabashamayim. Says Rav Shamshon Farahersh, it doesn't say anywhere in the Pesukim that they looked for milo. All that it says in the Pesukim is that they looked at the snake and they lived. What, what does it mean? What does it mean that they looked past the snake, higher than the snake? And he says a beautiful thing. The Pesukim say in Parshas Eitev, that the midbar that Klai Yisrael traveled in was a midbar that was swarming with snakes. Karakhes, Pasuk Tezvav, and Parshas Ekev was swarming with snakes. So why weren't they affected with the snakes? Because they had the Ananiya cover that smoothed everything out. They got used to the Ananiya cover. They forgot how much the Rebunshan is taking care of them. You're in the most dangerous place. The snakes all over the place. So what did Hashem do when they started complaining about the man and becoming ungrateful? Hashem says, you know what? I'll pack out. I'll take away the miraculous mirror that was here, and you'll see, you'll see where you were living. You'll see where you've been all along. Look at how much I've done for you. So Akash Baruch takes it away, and you have all these snakes. So when Moshe puts up the snake, when they looked at the snake, they said, ah, now we realize how much the Rebun was there. Sometimes you have to lose what you have to appreciate what you had. The Chinachash name is what, yeah, they were looking at, it doesn't mean that then, you know, they looked for the past the snake. They looked at the snake, they realized there have been snakes here all along. But the Rebun has given us a shame. Sometimes if we're not careful, the Rebbe has to take away the good things we have so that we appreciate the Torah, the Hatava that the Rebbe is, is always giving us and all the good that we have. So what do I do? One answer is to always try to see the Yad Hashem in everything. Try to see the Bracha of Maidim gets very specific. So we're acknowledging that. But I was thinking the one other Eitzah is, there are definitely times, many of us, it's very significant, very often, Lamaisa, we see it. We might not see it all the time, we get used to a matzah, we just take things for granted. But every once in a while, we do see it. We do realize, we see the hashgacha. How and what this happen? We see how everything comes together. When we see that hashgacha, we need to respond. And what is the response? Hakar to sing a shiur, to be makirtad, when we see those times. And when we see those times, if I don't ignore the times when they come, we, we see those times, we make note of them, we masakar shvacha shalmakam, we makirtad, we sing a shira, we show, ah, oh, this thing worked out well in my life. I see the Yad Hashem in this part, it'll help us see it more and more. And that you see by the Maisa with the Nachle Arnam. A lot of people don't know because it's a summer, uh, it's a summer parsha. 
But basically, it's a big Rashi. Right? A big, big Rashi over here towards the end of the parasha as well. But how the Amorim stood in the mountains, they were waiting for Kali Yisrael to pass, and they had these huge, huge rocks. They were standing in caves on these mountains, and they had these huge rocks that they were planning on rolling down and killing Kali Yisrael one by one. <coughs> and what did Kodesh Baruch do? There was another mountain opposite this mountain, which had rocks protruding out of it. Rashad just brought the two mountains together, squashed the Amorim, and that was it. Nobody even knew at the time. Nobody knew what happened. That Kodesh Baruch made this earthquake. They literally brought a mountain to another mountain, crushed all these Amorim to death. Hashem says, it says in Rashi, who's going to be my dear this nice to my children? So what was the answer? Hakadosh Baruch waited until he brought the Be'er Shal Miriam. The water flowed. The water picked up some blood and bones. Christ was where did this come from? And then they realized what must have happened. They looked at the mountains. It used to be two mountains. It's one. They kind of pieced it back together. What was their reaction then? It was a nace they never knew about, but Hakadosh Baruch allowed them to see it. The reaction was, they sang a shira, aliba, er, enuma. So to kind of just try to tie together what we're speaking about, so you left up and You know, we began by speaking about how Hakadosh Baruch Hu does nisim for us all the time. What do we learn from the end of the parsha? The mochama with sichan, the mochama with ayin. These were invincible kings that had supernatural kaitas, made no sense to defeat them. Nevertheless, we didn't defeat them. There were a bunch of maladas by using simple tactics to be able to defeat such powers. When did they come? They came when it made no sense. We lost the Shmira we had before. We lost the supernatural Shmira of the Ananiya Kavit. And nevertheless, Rebunch just says, it makes no difference. We have a relationship. I'll take care of you no matter what. You don't have to worry about only when you have supernatural things running around you. Rebunch does his nisim for us all the time, we spoke out. Rebunch does his nisim for us all the time. Sometimes he has to take, we're not makir sometimes he has to take him. The answer for that is, how am I makotobi? Things look so natural to me all the time. Number one is just thank for the natural. Even if you don't see the Yad Hashem, you know that the Yad Hashem is there. The second thing is, but during the times that you do see, when Hashem allows us to see that the Teva is really His Hashgacha, He'll bring our own personal Be'eris Shal Miriam, that'll wash the blood and the bones and everything else and let us see the Nisim that is done. At that point, if we sing the Shira, that's a tremendous, tremendous Shira. End up with one very, very, very quick Misa one of these traditional yeshiva shemaisas and either happened or didn't but it's a great maizah so one of the czars gets very sick very very sick his life's on the line they come to Balash and yeshiva um, to check up on the yeshiva and they see the guys are minding their own business they say you know there's always tehillim you know, you're supposed to say psalms when when um, you know when somebody's sick why aren't you praying for the czar so you know it's a good point so legend goes that one of the rosh yeshivas got up I don't know which rosh yeshiva in Balash he got up and he started saying to Hillam, Halal Hadadal, the 26 kilo Elam Chazdai, starts with Haitul Hashem Kitar Kilo Elam Chazdai, and everybody Haitul Hashem. And when they got to the Psukim of Lamake Malachim Gadailam, Kilo Elam Chazdai, by Arab Malachim Adirim, Lesichan Laag, the walls of the yeshiva were, were, you know, were ready to, 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 to cave from the, the incredible Kavanas of the yeshiva. And all of the Malachim Gedalim and Malachim Adirim that sometimes intimidate us go exactly where they need to go. And Kila and Mokhazim should be recipients of Chaz Yashem. I think we're a little bit better.